The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. What do you think? I think we're off to a pretty good start. I think we're off to a great start. I mean, Hard to believe it's two years, huh? Well, just remember where we started and all that was happening in our country. And I think the thing that has motivated us is the resilience, the determination of the American people. Yeah, they stuck with right? us. I mean, I, wow. I wish people could see what I see sometimes. Yeah. I've been in the Oval Office with you when the cameras are there and mostly when the cameras are not. And what you have singularly done based on who you are, and I mean this in all sincerity, to bring together nations, allies in the world, and you bring folks together in a bipartisan way, uniquely. Well, you're you very have been gracious. an incredible leader these last two well. years. You know it's getting so bad when they trot out the most unpopular vice president in the history of the United States to try to boost the morale of this failing administration, this administration that Barack Obama is finished with. He's done with Joe Biden. And so here comes Kamala Harris to say, look, the American people, they've, they've stuck with us. They're resilient. The American people, they've abandoned him a long time ago. Of course, he didn't even win the election in 2020. It was stolen. So there's your, your fake president. There's your fake vice president trying to tell you that everything is just perfect. Even it's just like the it's just like the journalist standing in front of the the police cruiser that went up in flames because of the Antifa rioters. Everything here is peaceful. Everything here is wonderful. It's all perfect. So much phoniness and fakery. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us. On this snowy day, if you live in uh, Oklahoma, there's uh, plenty of snow. It's supposed to snow all through the day. It's not, it's not, there, there you go. There's a, there's a shot right out of my office window. So it was nice and cozy this morning. The hummingbird feeder is empty. It's not, not the season for hummingbirds. So uh, we'll fill it back up in April. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful campus today. And as I say, it's not too terribly cold. So uh, the road conditions aren't icy. Uh, but you do need to slow down, obviously, because of the, the snow that's beginning to pile up. Anyway, you can get to our our live stream of this show through the website. That's thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and it takes you to the live stream page. And uh, you can watch it every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. The email address, td at thetrumpet. Dot com And the 800 number for any literature that you hear referenced on this show, 1-866-930-3024. So as I say, you know it's bad when they've got to stage this kind of a, this kind of a, and bring her out and say things you know she doesn't even agree with or believe. There's Kamala Harris. It reminded me of the, the staged reaction after they stole the election. This is from uh, 2020, clip five. We did it, we did it, Joe. You're gonna be the next president of the United States. <laughs> we did it. 
We did, we found enough ballots. Uh, we drove them in from New York to Pennsylvania on a tractor trailer as well. We did it. We got us. We got enough ballots to get over the finish line. Thanks to the media. It took us five days. Can you believe it? The urinal, the broken pipe saved us in Atlanta. We did it. You're going to be the next fake president of the United States. Look at the damage. Look at the damage that this illegitimate presidency has caused in the United States. They can talk all day long about how great they are. But look around. Look at the southern border. Look at what's happening to to just the cost of goods and services. There was a story just the other day about uh, people smuggling eggs across the southern border. Eggs! I guess now it's fentanyl and eggs because eggs are like eight, nine dollars a dozen. And that's just one item. I'm sure if you if you do the shopping for your family, you've noticed it. Americans have noticed it. And they want to spend more. They want to raise the debt ceiling more. Mitch McConnell, he's he's preparing to compromise with the radicals. Why not? We've got to do it in the spirit of bipartisanship. So let's raise that debt ceiling and just keep on spending. It doesn't hurt these people. They're just raking in the dough. They're all compromised. All these classified documents found all over the place. Then, then, the FBI agent... I'll get to this story, don't worry. We've got a lot to get to on today's show. But here, an FBI agent who was investigating Donald Trump, trying to frame him that he was colluding with Russia. We learned yesterday that he was colluding with Russia, the FBI agent. I mean, you can't make this up. It's, it's hard to even wrap your mind around how, how that this could be exposed, except that we know We know God said he would do it. They're throwing one of their own to the wolves. And and probably the DOJ is trying to get out in front of something. They're always covering something up or trying to get ahead of the, the news cycle if they can. In any event, God is exposing. Here he's on the take with this Russian oligarch. And he's investigating Donald Trump for ties to Russia. America under attack. I gave you the 800 number just a little bit ago. Make sure that you request your copy of of that book. We've had it out now for a few months. It's our most popular book, and uh, we're already working to update it and to revise it. You need that book just to make sense of what is happening in the world and in the United States in particular. I mean, some of it you, you almost have to laugh at just to keep your sanity, <laughs> but it's, it's deadly serious. It certainly is. Satan's behind it all. I want to play an exchange for you from uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. He, I forgot to look into who the guest was, but he evidently he's from Arizona. And notice how they just, it's just back and forth. And what does Rogan get? 11, 12 million viewers? Millions and millions. And they're just casually talking about uh, rigging elections. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. And then notice what Rogan says at the end of this clip as well. This is clip nine. Um, I'm not getting into it, but what they did to Carrie Lake, I, don't, I shouldn't go there. But there's Arizona was the last free place or one of them. But Arizona, something, everyone needs to be paying attention to what happened there. 
Yeah, the, the the irregularities when it came to the the reports that people had w at the places where they were trying to vote is really wild. Like, I wish I knew what was true so I could actually comment on it. Katie Hobbs, like, her social media on Instagram had like 6,000 followers, on, like literally on the election night, compared to Carrie Lake's at like 300,000. And I'm like, you, th that means something. It doesn't necessarily prove anything, but my point is that people I was talking to, she had a huge, huge, huge following. She was doing all the debates. Katie Hobbs hid, but I know what happened. Are you allowed to say these things, right? These are the things that they go like what this you to you, think? Joe. If you go, you know what I mean? This is like one of those things for you. you they, they go so like this you to you. you think there was some manipulation that led to someone else winning? Perhaps. You'd have to be stupid not to conclude that. If anyone that's looked into this, you would have, it's an insult, it's insulting my intelligence to think that something, let me just say it like this. I just have some questions, that's all. Do you really think that Joe Biden got 81 million votes? And the reporter's like, do you think so? She's like, no, I'm just asking you. Do you think he did? She's like, I have questions and so do Arizonans. And that's all I'm saying. I just have some questions. I'm allowed to ask questions. I think a lot of people voted for Joe Biden. Would a lot of people vote again? I don't think so. And I think that's why they're looking into his classified documents that he got in the backseat of his Corvette. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the Democrats think that too. They're trying to sink that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems like I mean, yeah. I don't know politics yep. and I'm a little suspicious Me of, their, either. of their actions they're trying to sink that dude says Joe Rogan and he doesn't even know much about politics he says right after that but it's so obvious it's so they who who is they who are they trying to sink Joe Biden well that would be Barack Obama and people know that too they know that Obama's finished with him and then there's Joe Rogan also saying or at least agreeing with this guy from Arizona that says, yeah, I saw, I mean, there were Carrie Lake signs all over the place. Her website, wildly popular. She was out campaigning and Katie Hobbs was in the basement like Joe Biden. How did she win? How did she pull this off? They stole it. That's how. Katie Hobbs, this is from, uh, sorry, uh, Carrie Lake. This is from Just the News. It says, Arizona GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake's team announced Monday that there's more evidence to come regarding her election lawsuit soon after Democrat Katie Hobbs requested the case to be thrown out. So you just don't hear about this at all, except for just the news, maybe a few others. But it gets out. It gets out. As I say, Joe Rogan has a, a large following. And so people know, people in their heart of hearts, they know that they completed the steal in Arizona. They know they pulled off the steal in 2020. That's why they get so sensitive and call you election deniers. They call you names if you dare bring it up. This is, uh, again, just following on the, the batch, the latest batch. The DOJ searching through Joe Biden's uh, residence on Friday. I talked a little bit about this yesterday. Here are the talking heads just trying to wrap their minds around how that this could even happen. I mean, you compare it to, to Donald Trump, and there's some out there saying that they're going to use this now as an excuse or, or, or basically is just added momentum to go after Trump because, you know, they're objective. And if we're going after Biden over here, we've got to go after Trump over here. But look at the difference. The fact that Trump was president, he had the power to declassify. Biden, for his time, was vice president. He didn't have that power. And as the latest batch points out, or we got to this yesterday, 
Some of the some of the classified documents date back to when he was a senator. And you've got all these all these people in Congress that are now speaking out saying, well, man, you go down to the skiff. If you're going to look at classified documents, you got to leave your phone or any gadgets outside the room and you can't take any documents outside that room with you. So how did Joe Biden get away with it when he was a senator even? Here, here are the talking heads, clip eight. Well, look, I mean, those documents shouldn't have been there. When I look at classified information, being on the House Armed Services Committee, uh, I go to a skiff and I have to give over my phone and I'm not allowed to take any documents outside of the skiff. So uh, I really don't understand uh, how those documents got into a personal residence and we do need answers on that. It is a real problem that uh, these documents are somewhere they shouldn't be. How could this happen? That's why we're fully cooperating, to understand how this happened. We need Doesn't to answer now, like, like, Does the DOJ need to tell the president why the president has classified documents in his home? I don't understand that. The, the, the question, though, I'm, I'm sort of stuck on here is how in the world this could have happened. A lot of people are wondering, how is that possible? There are rules in place for the handling of classified documents. So how is he in this situation? How does a senator accidentally take classified material home? Um, Margaret, I, I don't really know the answer to that question. <laughs> how does this happen? Nobody knows. Democrats, Republicans alike, they can't explain it. There's no photocopiers in those rooms. You can't unless you, I guess, you can pull a Sandy Burger and stuff things down your pants, I suppose. But outside of that, people, they just can't wrap their minds around it. He, he waltzed off with secret documents when he was a senator. And they're all over the place. They're scattered. As I say, they're traveling through Chinatown in D.C. Behind the Corvette where Hunter was living, at the, at the Wilmington residence. How many more batches are here again? This is the DOJ looking into this. The DOJ has been weaponized by Barack Obama. And so what are they trying to, they're, try, they're, they're done with Biden, we know that, we've established that, but what else are they trying to get out in front of? How many documents are out there? This is the New York Times. It says here, and on Friday, FBI agents, at the invitation of Mr. Biden's lawyers, conducted an extraordinary search of every room in his Wilmington home, finding another half dozen files marked as classified, dating back to his time as a senator. It just says an, another half dozen files. It doesn't even say how many were in each of those batches, those six batches during the search on Friday. Could be thousands, I suppose. Here's Peter Ducey, the Fox reporter, commenting on this yesterday, clip two. This is the first time a sitting president has had a home searched by the FBI. And the press secretary insists President Biden does still intend to run for president, run for re-election in 2024. But they do concede there is no precedent for somebody running for president after having the FBI search their most private quarters. So I'm sure Obama didn't like to hear that. They'll keep the pressure on to make sure he is, at the very least, that he doesn't run again. But as I said yesterday, it's looking more and more like they want to get rid of him before the four years are up. So he's still insisting he's going to go, go ahead with this and run for re-election. But there's Peter Deuce basically saying, you know, this has never happened. 
This has never happened. A lot's being exposed. Whether the deep state wants to, to expose this or not, it's, it's happening. It's being revealed. Miranda Devine, she had a, a story following this, this search on Friday, the latest batch. She, she talks here about how Joe Biden is panicking. You know, he gave that, that answer in California when he was with Gavin Newsom over the weekend, saying there's no there there. And Devine is like, yes, there is. There's a lot there. But he, he, he basically, she says that, you know, what he said in California was, was really a veiled threat to Garland, his own DOJ guy, where he's basically telling Garland, look, there's nothing there, okay? You, you hear me? But the DOJ keeps finding, finding more. Devine says here, someone at the White House is throwing his trusted longtime executive assistant, Kathy Chung, under the bus. It says the Washington Post quoted an anonymous insider last week saying that Chung has confided to associates that she's distressed that she might have inadvertently been involved in moving or storing classified material at the center. And it says here about Chung that she was personally poached by Hunter, Hunter Biden, in 2012 to work for his father in the VP's office apparently counts for nothing when it comes to offloading blame from the president. So she was put in the position she's in with Joe Biden because Hunter suggested her. And this is all, got, I mean, Devine points out in her article, that first batch in particular that was discovered, uh, the documents, again, range from between 2013 to 2016. They're concerning Iran, Ukraine, Russia. And uh, this was all at the same time that Hunter was just raking in the money from Burisma and elsewhere. And that the big guy was getting his 10%. Bobolinsky, others, there's more proof. It's not just one person saying this. Now the documents are appearing. She says here, the first tranche of at least 10 classified documents reportedly was found in the fall at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement at the University of Pennsylvania and were kept secret by the White House until after the midterm elections. And then she gives you the dates, 2013 to 2016. It says, this is the thread that links the president to the long-running Delaware federal investigation into his son's foreign business dealings. It says that three-year period corresponds to the most frenetic influence-peddling activity overseas by his son Hunter and brother Jim Biden, who made millions of dollars from shady interests in Ukraine, China, Russia, and elsewhere. And so a lot of people are wondering if these documents, if these documents were being sold or the information on them were being sold to the Chinese. Because we know the Bidens were lining their pockets. So what were the Chinese getting in return? What were the Ukrainian oligarchs getting in return for their money, for their millions, for the $83,000 per month that Burisma was paying Hunter Biden. These are good questions. And there's a few in the media now asking them because the evidence is so overwhelming. How much more valuable their product would be if they had access to classified documents, divine rights. Their activity is documented in the Hunter laptop, in financial documents held by the Treasury, and in testimony from Hunter's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, who said Joe was the big guy slated to get 10% from a particularly lucrative Chinese deal. 
Hunter traveled on Air Force Two with his father to do private business during that period, including to China in December 2013. He organized the infamous Cafe Milano dinner for Joe to meet his business, par business partners from Ukraine, Russia, and Kazakhstan in April 2015. Who knew Hunter was so involved in U.S. government affairs during the first two terms of Barack Obama? How much did Obama know? Obama knew all of it. Obama knew that he could drop this bomb on Biden whenever he wanted to. And so now he has. Now he has, and there's evidence all over the place, as Divine brings out. It says, after the separation from his wife in July 2015, Hunter lived off and on at his father's Delaware mansion and listed it as his residence in official documents. He was photographed in 2017 driving his father's Corvette, which was housed in the very garage where classified documents have been found. You've probably seen the photos. You've got the Corvette and then the stack of boxes behind. Papers all over the place. It's unbelievable. I mean, like I said, it, it's laughable. Classified, top secret documents taken out of the White House by Joe Biden or out of the, the Senate when he was a senator. It says here, Hunter also had free reign in his dad's White House office, and his privileged access meant his name never showed up on visitor logs. For instance, he took the infamous photo of his then best friend in business, Devin Archer, with his father in the VP's office in April 2014, shortly before the pair joined the board of the corrupt Ukrainian oil company Burisma, which paid Hunter $83,000 per month. It says here, one striking email during this period stands out. It was from Hunter to Archer on April 13th, 2014, a week before Joe Biden visited Ukraine to meet then Prime Minister uh, Arseny Yesteryuk and refers to my guy's upcoming travels. So they're setting things up before Joe Biden travels to Ukraine and he gives all of these instructions and Divine is basically saying they're the detail that Hunt, usually Hunter's emails were fairly brief, but the detail in this, I mean, they had the marching orders. This is what we're getting ready for. My father's going over there to visit with the prime minister. And then he tells Devin Archer toward the end that he needs to get a throwaway phone. This is from uh, the Divine article. In point 22, 22 points. Hunter instructed Archer to buy a burner phone, presumably to keep their conversations private. He says, buy a cell phone from 7-Eleven or CVS tomorrow and I'll do the same. That's a direct quote. We've got to get some uh, throwaway phones so we can't be tracked. So that we can't be, so they can't tap into our, our lines and listen to us. It says here, it's a prescient and well-informed email, unlike anything else Hunter wrote in the nine years covered in the laptop. Nine years of information. And think of it, this is, this is the same laptop that everyone dismissed as Russian disinformation. They said it was Russian disinformation. Had all the hallmarks. Nine years of evidence. The DOJ had it, including under William Barr's time, short time as DOJ, uh, the, the, the Attorney General of the United States. That's right. It says here, accountability is coming to Joe Biden or for Joe Biden, and no amount of dark money groups leaking false narratives to the media will save him. Accountability is coming, so says Miranda Devine. They, as we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, the, 
what they accuse you of, these are the very sins that they're committing, that they're committing, as I said, with respect to this, this FBI agent. He, he was, he was the, one, the lead agent in Crossfire Hurricane, that, that fraudulent investigation trying to frame Donald Trump, trying to show that Trump was colluding with Russia. And we learned yesterday, as I said, that one of the lead agents, he was colluding with Russia. This is from the, the DOJ statement, as I say. You can't, you can't very well take anything that they say, the FBI or the DOJ, seriously. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. And, and as to why they're throwing this guy under the bus at this time, it's probably to get out in front of something. But you, you, you can see God's hand here in just exposing these insurrectionists. This is the DOJ's announcement yesterday. McGonagall, that's his name, Charles McGonagall, he was arrested for taking $225,000 in cash from a Russian oligarch. <laughs> Can't make this up. The DOJ statement says McGonagall concealed from the FBI the nature of his relationship with a former foreign security officer and business person who had ongoing business interests in foreign countries and uh, before foreign governments. It says specifically, McGonagall requested and received at least $225,000 in cash from the individual and traveled abroad with the individual and met with foreign nationals. This is an FBI agent colluding with Russians, with Russians, with Russian oligarchs. You, you look at this guy up, McGonagall, his name pops up all over the Russia hoax documents. He had interactions with Peter Strzok. Yeah, they were trying to destroy Trump. And surprise, surprise, he's, uh, he's lining his pockets as well. How many others did that? What's the DOJ trying to get out in front of? Listen to MSNBC as they try to explain this uh, McConaughey bombshell, clip uh, one. A former top FBI official in the Bureau's New York office has been arrested. Four senior law enforcement sources say Charles McGonagall faces charges related to violating Russian sanctions and money laundering. This is a massive and shocking case, Lindsay. We're still going through the details of this news release from the U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York, but McGonagall was arrested over the weekend, we're reporting, and he's facing five counts related to business dealings after he left the FBI in 2018 with a Russian oligarch named Oleg Deripaska, uh, who he had some role in investigating while he was inside the FBI. So this is just a huge, huge black eye, a whiff of corruption here with a former senior FBI official. The, the, the head of counterintelligence in the New York office, as Frank Fugluzzi can tell you, is a very important spy hunting job where you're dealing with many counterintelligence officials, uh, issues involving Russia and China. And so he left that job. He began doing business with Russian oligarchs, according to these allegations, and is now charged with money laundering and conspiring to help these oligarchs evade Russia sanctions. So a really big deal, a shocking blow to the FBI. I think it's a little bit more than a whiff of corruption. And these were some of the initial reports, too, that said the shady dealings were ha they, they happened after he left the FBI. But you look at the DOJ's statement, says that he concealed from the FBI the nature of his relationship with a, for a former foreign security officer and business person who had ongoing business interests in foreign countries and before foreign governments. 
says McConaughey requested and received at least 200, at least, could be more, I guess, all that cash from the individual and traveled abroad with the individual and met with foreign nationals. I mean, this is all going on while he's at the FBI. And then they're trying to frame Donald Trump, even as they are tra- they're exposed as traitors themselves. This, uh, this, too, is from MSNBC yesterday, clip seven. His job was to protect the United States from foreign influence. But what the U.S. government is charging him with today is uh, participating in foreign influence in two separate cases. One in that case you mentioned about helping uh, Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska after he left the FBI. But this other case out of Washington, D.C., charges that he accepted $225,000 in cash from a former Albanian intelligence official while he was serving in the FBI as a top counterintelligence agent agent. And the, uh, the indictment says that he failed to disclose that income on his financial disclosures, essentially hid a conflict of interest. Uh, at one point, he made this same person a confidential FBI source. So, there, so he, he allowed this to influence, they're saying, his FBI work. Here he's, he's there, as he said at the start of that clip, to protect the United States from foreign influence. <laughs> and he's participating with these, uh, these bad actors abroad. He's guilty of what he's trying to investigate in others. This was Tucker Carlson's take last night, clip uh, six. One of the senior FBI agents in charge of the Trump collusion probe, he was working with Rush, remember that? The agent's name is Charles McGonigal. That same guy has just been charged, <laughs> just been charged in apparently collusion with Russia, a money laundering scheme with Russia. So that's a little bit shocking, right? A Russian oligarch gave this guy money. So this is the same FBI that is now conducting the investigation of Joe Biden. There's a lot going on here. And in the mountain of reporting on this, one thing struck out to us, and it's from Miranda Devine piece in the New York Post today. And in it, she quotes from a long email that Hunter Biden sent to his business partner in 2014 before a trip to Ukraine. And that email makes it very clear that Hunter Biden was reading classified information he got from his father in violation, clear violation of federal law. It's very obviously true. And if it can be proven true, and we think it can be proven true, they're done. They're done, he says. They're done. Everyone knows it. Joe Rogan knows it. Tucker knows it. Barack Obama certainly knows it. They're finished. They're finished. We went through the Miranda Devine piece that Tucker refers to there. The long email, 22 points. And right at the end, get a throwaway phone and I'll get one too. These people are, they're caught. As Donald Trump used to say, we caught them all. Well, he didn't quite follow through. He didn't have the he didn't have the 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 DOJ and the FBI doing its job objectively. They were all corrupt over there as well. You can see why Second Kings fourteen says that there's no helper. The the affliction is bitter. There's just the reference to Jeroboam, no one else. This is from Sundance. Charles McGonigal was the operational lead who kickstarted the Trump crossfire hurricane investigation in 2016 and was also the lead official in charge of the investigation into the DNC email leak. 
claimed by the U.S. government to have stemmed from Russian hackers, another false construct. And then he says here, finally, why would the Washington FBI turn on one of their senior FBI officials? It seems odd, knowing the corruption inside the DOJ and FBI, that they would throw a bag over Charles McGonagall. In normal D.C. operations, they would retain this, this information as leverage against McGonagall for later use and or as an insurance policy against him. Something triggered the FBI and the DOJ NSD to act. We don't know exactly what it was, but something triggered the DOJ to act on this, and they did, and it certainly exposes more corruption in the deep state. Just one final uh, segment here on um, a follow-up, actually, to the uh, vaccine. We had a fair bit on that on yesterday's show. I'd encourage you to go back and, uh, and read that if you missed it. But this is from the Wall Street Journal. It says, you might have heard a, a radio advertisement warning that if, you, if you've had COVID, you could get it again and experience even worse symptoms. The message sponsored by the Health and Human Services Department claims that updated uh, bivalent uh, vaccines will improve your protection. So you got to get those boosters in order to, you know, up the protection some. You've got to keep getting the jab or else, or else you're going to get COVID again. Listen to this unbelievable statement from Joe Scarborough over at uh, MSNBC, clip four. I read uh, an article in The Times, which the headline says, Ireland's excess deaths. On. You know, it's interesting. I, I had not gotten my COVID uh, booster. Mm -hmm. um, which one? The fourth. The fourth. Yeah. Because, you know, we went to London, then got COVID. COVID, yeah. Got completely knocked down for a while. Yes, you did. Uh, yeah. Months. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say months. You were knocked down for months. Months? Yes. I wouldn't say months. No, it was a long time. <laughs> we found out the boosters, the vaccines, they don't stop the disease, but they certainly do make a big impact. Instead of me being down for a month right. with fatigue, if I'd taken the booster, I would have probably sneezed and said, what was that? And kept going. Do yourself a favor, right? And get off the websites that Chinese religious cults are, are, are putting as a front so they can get a stronghold in America and in your mind and, and get yourself a booster shot. It's important. You'll be glad um, you did. One more did he say Chinese religious cults <laughs> that they're trying to get into your mind that they're trying to get? I, he's had four boosters and he's got COVID, according to his wife. I, I assume that's his wife. If that's how she identifies, she says he was out for months and he's gotten the jab and then the second jab. And then I guess the booster booster one would be number three, right? Four, five, and he's just recovering from COVID again, and it set him out for months, she says. And what's, what's his advice to you? It's to get, get another booster. I've had COVID once in the summer of 2021, and it does have some lingering effects. It does wipe you out. But you're sick five, six days, and uh, like with the flu, you come back and you go forward. These people, though, on the constant, just the constant rotation, get the jab, then the COVID, then the jab, then the COVID, they're killing themselves. And the vaccine is doing that to some people.
It's causing people to die. It's the elephant in the room. They won't talk about it, as I said on yesterday's program. It, it, every other reason can be brought up. The lockdown's this and, and another strain of COVID causing these heart attacks, really? This was a, an exchange between uh, Nigel Farage and a journalist. Just play the, the second one, clip 11. Expect a battle royal over this because there's no sign of excess deaths decreasing. No sign. In, in our country, this has been happening since May of last year. It's 1,000 a week. It's a thousand excess deaths a week, uh, and there's no sign of it going away. So yes, big demands for a full investigation uh, that isn't going to go away, uh, and and this argument could last for years because it is it is possible that everything that was done in the name of fighting COVID nineteen it is possible that it turns out to be one of the worst governmental mistakes ever. That's Nigel Farage saying that the cure is worse than the disease and the host of that show said as much i mean he said it exactly as such in the the other the other clip we won't play it we're about running out of time but here here they're having a thousand excess deaths in uh, in the uk that's a, a tiny island nation of of what 65 70 million people a thousand excess deaths that's happening he says and it's no, there's no sign of it uh, uh, going in the other direction. Thousand per week, add it up over the course of a year. What a toll this is taking on our nations, primarily the Western nations, and, and especially so in Israelite nations. Sickness in more ways than one, as I said yesterday on the show, Isaiah one. Look at what we're doing to ourselves in so many different areas, in so many different ways. When we come back, we'll conclude, and I think we might even have a, a few minutes for some email feedback coming from you, the viewer, as well. Uh, but we'll conclude with our Bible study segment here in just a minute or two. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. 
If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Sam tells me during the break that they just found classified documents at uh, Mike Pence's house. So documents everywhere. We better start looking at our properties here on campus to see if we've stumbled upon some top secret messages from the government. There's so much craziness going on. It really and truly is a clown world. And every day you, you look at some of the headlines and you can't even believe that it's not the Babylon Bee or the Onion. You think, can this really be for real? Is this really true? And of course, a lot of it's not even true. There's, you have to separate the truth from the error. We try to do this every day on the show as best we can. And then at the end, seek refuge in the truth of God. You can always do that. And what an uplift. What an encouragement God's truth is when you're studying it daily, when you're feeding on that truth every day. This is from Exodus 16, just a follow-on to what we talked about on yesterday's show. I think I read to you the first three verses yesterday, but verse 4 of Exodus 16, it says, Then said the Eternal unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. It says in verse 5, And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, well, he talks about gathering a double portion on the preparation day so that they didn't have to go out and do this work on the Sabbath. And it was work. I mean, to gather up the manna and then to grind it down and to bake bread and to have the, the, the food, the sustenance that they needed to survive in the wilderness. And all of this, as I read to you yesterday, all of this typified spiritual manna from heaven. God's truth. We went through John 6. You can read it again on your own time. But we have to go, just like it says in verse 4, we have to go and gather a certain rate every day. We need to feed on it. If we don't feed on God's truth, we'll shrivel up and die, spiritually speaking. So we have to go and gather. And as I say just to build on the point that I made yesterday. Think about the the strain and, and stress and pressure that's removed when we just obey the commandments of God, when we walk by faith, when we just put our trust in God and we don't have to worry about what might happen or what won't happen or what is happening. We'll experience tests and trials along the way but God says that he'll get us through, all of them. He won't, he won't put more on us than what we can handle. It says that in 2 Corinthians 10. He'll give us a, a way out. Maybe it's 1 Corinthians 10. But look at Matthew 6 and verse 34. Matthew 6, this is instruction from, from Christ. It says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought uh, for the things of itself. It says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Just concentrate on what you need to focus on today. The the prayer outline instructs us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
Obviously, now God wants us to plan and to prepare and to have long-term goals, all those things. But, but, but what he's saying here is, you know, don't be overly anxious or uh, stressed by what might happen tomorrow. Just really put in some quality time today. The Moffat translation, it says, So never be troubled about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. The day's own trouble is enough for the day. It's, it's manageable, though, you see. If you're just concentrating on, on what you know you need to do today, the have-tos, as my wife used to tell our children when they were growing up, you've got to take care of the have-tos first. And then you can get over to some of the things that you don't necessarily have to do. If you want to play or, or you know, work on a, a hobby or whatever it might could be. But there's always the have-tos. This is what I must do. These are the priorities. Christ says here, work on the things that you know you need to do today, that you know you need to attend to now. Back up to verse 22. It says here, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. If your eye or your mind, that's what it's talking about, if, if it's focused, then you're going to really illuminate a lot of light, Jesus said elsewhere, to let your light shine, to, to let your example speak for itself. We're, we're the example for this world. This is, I mean, what's happening in God's church at the moment? It, it's the start of a new world. That's what we've got to be preparing for. When Jesus returns to this earth and establishes God's kingdom on earth, God's kingdom is the family of God, administering the government of God. We've been going through this in Principles of Living. We went through John 1 today. I didn't get over to John 1, 14, but we talked about God and the Word. But then you read verse 14, and you see how that the Word became flesh. God in the flesh as Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of God. And then he became the actual, literal, born Son of God by a resurrection from the dead. That's in Romans 1 and verse 4. Read it. Father, Son. The Son's going to marry the bride. She will have made herself ready. Revelation 9, 19 and verse 7. Read it. How many people then believe that God is a family? I've just pointed out three or four verses to you. Ephesians 3.15 says the whole family in heaven. And yet people right across the board in traditional Christianity say that God is not a family. He's a trinity. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. What you receive on this program comes from the Bible. That's the word of God. That's what we have to feed on daily. We have to go out and gather a certain rate every single day. And it was tedious work. It was hard work for the Israelites of old to do that with respect to physical manna. How diligent are we with respect to our spiritual diet? Spiritual manna. It says here in verse 23, But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. It says, If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? If, you're, if your focus is on evil things, it's just going to bring darkness into your entire life. 
Verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. It says you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and serve the world at the same time. The simplicity, though, of putting God first above all else. There's a time and a a place for rest and relaxation, even entertainment. But, But people just gorge themselves on those kinds of activities. Uh, I saw a little clip on one of the Twitter feeds that I follow. This young girl who was just talking about how she would never have a job, you know, working manual labor, working eight to five. I mean, she's just living in a fantasy world. She's this young kid. But the way she views work, of all things, God is a workman. Jesus Christ came to carry out the Father's will, to work. There's so much joy, so many, so many benefits that come from just learning how to work hard, to labor. We certainly have to do it spiritually when it comes to our spiritual lives. We have to labor to gather up all the fragments, as John 6 brings out. And then there's a lot to be said for laboring, particularly if you're, you're a, a father of a family, and you've got to provide. It says if in 1 Timothy 5, if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. And of course, any righteous woman who's a, a good wife and mother, she's laboring away in her role as well. Both of them together. I mean, what a responsibility if a child, like I was telling the principles of, of living students this morning, Then when those two, after they've been married for a time, and then they bring a new being into the family, a little baby, what a responsibility that is to nurture, to protect, to teach, to love. That's a potential God being right there. That's a potential family member in the Godhead. And so every parent who has his or her mind open to the truth, understands in looking at that new life that there's a weighty responsibility to, as the proverb says, train up the child in the way that he or she should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's what we want. Now, eventually, they're going to be old enough to decide for themselves to work out their own salvation, and sometimes, sometimes young people can walk away from this truth. It's very sad and tragic to see that happen. But what a weighty responsibility it is for parents to really look to God for guidance and direction when it comes to, we have a wonderful book, by the way, on child rearing, child rearing with vision. You can get to that by calling our operators, 1-866-930-3024. It's packed full of wisdom and understanding when it comes to teaching children, loving children, disciplining children. It's all in there. Such a wonderful book. Verse 25 in Matthew 6. I uh, took a little bit of a deviation there (laughs) away from what we were focusing on. Imagine that. Verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. There's just so many examples in the autobiography of Herbert Armstrong. Request that book as well. 
so many examples in that book where Mr. Armstrong had to look to God even for physical sustenance. He was obviously looking to God for spiritual food, but he was living in poverty, virtual poverty, for, for decades early on in his ministry. And it really taught him a thing or two about depending on God. That's what God wants. He wants us to look to him. He wants us to trust him. Verse 26 says, Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? See, the birds, God looks after the birds. They don't try to hoard everything and, and, and store it up so they have enough when it gets cold like it is here today in central Oklahoma. And yet God looks, he knows. He knows when one of these little ones even falls, as it says here, verse 28. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. It says, and I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So much, so many valuable lessons in, uh, in God's creation. It shows you so much about God as Romans 1 and verse 20 says. I'll have to skip ahead here to verse 33, but read the rest of this, this chapter on your own time. Verse 33 says, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Get the priorities right. Seek God first. Seek his righteousness. He knows we need certain things. He know, And we have to certainly do our part and work hard, as I say. But put the priorities where they need to be. Put God first in your life and let him bless you and lead you. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. Don't forget to email the show, td at the trumpet. Thank you for joining us on today's program, and we'll see you tomorrow.